0: Joining us today on Mind Matters Free Clinic, we have Dr. Philip George, psychiatrist and addiction specialist from IMU.
1: Of course, if you have any questions, do give us a call. Now, Ramat, what's your question?
0: Okay,
2: my question is I have
0: a 50-something-year-old
2: friend. Mm -hmm. He's a businessman and uh, I think the last three, four years he has become a terrible alcohol addict.
3: Okay. Uh,
2: Virtually drinks about one litre whiskey a day.
3: Wow. Okay,
2: so he clear. got about Two daughters And two sons And mm. his wife They're trying the best Ask him to go for treatment mm. Go and see a doctor Follow up And whatnot. not But he says He's very aggressive He becomes uh, You know mm. Angry He says it's my money I don't know what I'm doing he's And it makes it very difficult for them. And in fact, his health is also deteriorating.
3: I see, So, what can we do? Yeah, well, we believe it's an illness because once it hits the stage of dependence, there are neurochemical changes, there are even gene changes that occur in the brain. So, it's no more willpower. Nobody has control over it. Uh, One of the most important things that happens when people who have addiction is they don't believe that they have a problem. So, that's a stage in addiction called pre contemplation they believe there's nothing wrong with them because you know they can still work they can still get money and so what's wrong with their drinking and you know even if it's one liter a day but when they start to lose things like you know when family says look we've had enough we have to move out and you sort out your health problems on your own if you don't want us to help then they may go into contemplation okay maybe i need to change and then after that you know, they can maybe seek professional help to get them into determination and when they get into determination, we can go into action. And action means first starting off with detox because people who have been drinking this much will definitely have very severe withdrawals, including fits and seizures. Uh, so detox would be important. And then after that, relapse prevention or rehabilitation. And those services exist here in Malaysia. Yeah, so if if he is willing to seek treatment, then that those services are there, but most people don't seek treatment until often they hit rock bottom, which is really sad, you know. Because by then they maybe lose a lot of things: their health, their family, you know. And then it starts to eat into their work. But yeah, I think maybe encouraging him through the way and making sure that people are not, you know, still enabling him in his addiction.
4: Yeah, I think if he,
2: let's say he has got a favorite daughter, can I yes. ask? Her alone to confide in with him and bring him to see a doctor was not help, rather than you know maybe yeah. a bit embarrassed yeah. when everybody else is uh, pushing him.
3: Yeah, I mean you can use different ways of trying to encourage him to treatment that'll be really helpful. But you have to make sure that the daughter is at least a teenager and above because yes. it can yes. have a huge psychological impact on her as well.
2: She just finished a uh, university studies. Right? Yeah, okay. yep she
3: she'd be at the right age to encourage him. Yes, right. and if she comes along with him. I think it'll be even easier for him to think about change.
1: If you have any questions to us, do give us a call at 0395433333 or you can WhatsApp us at 016510888 or Instastory us at light.my.
0: Coming up next, Gita suffers from illusion in her dreams and that's after Michael Buble on Light. We're still joined by Dr. Philip George, psychiatrist and addiction specialist from IMU.
1: Geeta, what's your question?
2: Uh, Actually, I've been having this illusion kind of thing Mm. where wherever I sleep, Mm. uh, there's this particular figure of big head and Mm. like small body kind of thing Mm. which literally makes me very depressed. It's like upon telling me like this is not your life this is not what you need like the kind mm. of very negative kind of thing and i've been getting it constantly you know so i'm not sure like what should i do is it just my right. illusion or something yeah
3: so this happens every night uh,
2: recently it has been very frequent mm. last time a Back when I was in uni, I used to have this, right. but I, it was like one and off, so I thought it's just like some dream kind of thing. But recently, I've been having it a bit more, and it's yeah. very stressful whenever I have it. It's like, I really can't sleep. Mm. I can't do anything, you know.
3: Yeah, but does it happen during the day?
2: Uh, the day, not that really. Whenever like, I close my eyes, I'm like trying to relax, and nothing like appears.
3: Right, okay. Well, the hallucinations can be true or can be false. Hallucinations are seeing or hearing things that are not really there. An illusion is misinterpreting. A stimuli for example you know you have your curtain and you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at the curtain and think there's a it's a monster that's an illusion because okay. the curtain is the stimuli okay. but when you see and hear things that are not there it's a hallucination so false hallucinations okay. can include hallucinations that occur in between your full wakefulness and sleep so you know you have different conscious levels you're fully awake and your conscious level is on the top but then when you fall asleep you're in a different conscious state so in between that you can have what is known as hypnagogic hallucinations that's you know hallucinations that occur just before you get to sleep now these things are not an indication of illness but they can be an indicator of you not managing your stress well. So they most probably are things that are happening in your life that are stressing you out and you're not actually dealing with them or you're not actually doing things to help manage stress. So, you know, we have things that are under our control and then we have things that are not in our control. It's important to identify what is that that's under your control, like your weekends, your free time, your exercise, your hobby, your choice of friends, your diet. So all that, if we put into, you know, proper sort of way of helping ourselves, we can then buffer our things that are not under our control.
1: If you do have any questions for Dr. Philip George, give us a call at zero three nine five four three double three double three, Or you can WhatsApp us at 016510888 Or send us your Insta story at light.my.
0: Coming up, Azura has a phobia of holes. That's after Backstreet Boys on Light. Still with us today, we have Dr. Philip George, psychiatrist and addiction specialist from IMU.
1: Azura, what's your question?
0: So, I have
4: this phobia of holes and bumps. Um, I googled it and it's called right. trypophobia.
2: Because
4: yep. growing up, I was allergic to fur. So, I had allergies all over my I, um rashes lah, all mm-hmm. over my face, my body, my hands. Yep. There were small bumps, they were red and mm. they were disgusting. So until the age of 11, I had these allergies. Right. And then from then on, I just couldn't look at patterns, clusters of holes Mm. the same way again it would just creep me out and gross me out so I don't know how to overcome that so my question for you is how do I get over this ridiculous phobia because I'm usually not afraid of anything and it's really annoying that this phobia annoys me.
3: Well Azra I think the first important thing is good that you realize it's ridiculous because you know there's a big difference between delusions and phobias when phobias are you know irresistible uh, fear and anxiety or a non-fearsome object or you know experience and so yeah overcoming phobias is something that takes time Um, usually it is sort of symbolic of an experience that you've had in the past as a child especially and so you know trying to resolve that would be one way of trying to resolve your phobias but usually we do recommend this exposure therapy and that's done gradually. So, you know, it's uh, de- it's what we term as desensitization. So desensitization needs to occur with a professional or a therapist who first teaches you ways for relaxation and then mm-hmm. takes you through this fear that you have in your mind, you know, starting with the minimalist uh, sort of vision or imagery of the fear and then going on to actually real exposure of seeing holes or touching holes and you know then overcoming Mm -hmm. your fear sometimes medication plays a role especially if the anxiety is too intense because the medications can actually help to reduce the anxiety while you deal with the exposure therapy and eventually most people do overcome their phobias you know and uh, as long as it doesn't interfere with your day-to-day life then i think you're in recovery eventually
4: okay but do you think phobias are like allergies they change Every every now and then, like every like, if I get over this one, then I'll yeah.
3: A new later. No, not really. Not really. Actually, uh, phobias usually are specific to a certain thing and usually once you overcome the phobia, you've learned skills to be able to prevent a future phobia from ever happening as well.
1: Still with uh, Dr. Philip George. If you have any questions, give us a call at zero three nine five four three double three double three, or you can WhatsApp us at zero one six five one zero double eight double eight, or you can story us at light.my.
0: Coming up next, Richard has a problem with anxiety but will We'll find out about that after Ed Sheeran on Light. We still have psychiatrists and addiction specialists from IMU, Dr Philip George. Richard, what's your question?
5: Why do certain people, they have an issue of constant anxiety, stress, Mm. Their life is perfectly fine You know Everything is great But then At some times They always think about Always the bad things Keep on happening Mm. It's not happening But it's like A delusional kind of thing It's like always Constant anxiety And depression Is it because of the food Or is it because of the
3: what is it yeah yeah
4: doctor
3: yeah well the important thing is to understand whether it's affecting their day to day life it's if it's interfering with their relationships or their career or their studies then it could actually be an illness which they have no control over So we go through things like stress you know on a daily basis you know we mental health is very different from mental illness in mental health you know we have ups and downs but we get over it we can control ourselves you know we help ourselves to feel a bit more positive but if it's a pattern that's continuous then it's no more a mental health problem. It's no more stress. It's already an illness, which most people have no control because neurochemicals in the brain have decided that they're going to focus on the negative things in life. And neurochemicals have also decided that they'll get startled and easily anxious for things that don't startle or you know, make other people anxious. If you have any questions, do give us a call
1: at zero three nine five four three double three double three, or you can WhatsApp us at 016510 8888 or insta story us at light.mind.
0: Coming up next, Ayman speaks about his girlfriend's borderline personality disorder after air supply on light. Still on Mind Matters Free Clinic, we have Dr. Philip George, psychiatrist and addiction specialist from IMU.
1: Ayman, what's your question? My
5: girlfriend right now, she is the sweetest person you'll ever meet. Mm. Unfortunately, she is the absolute worst when it comes to minor things that upset her. She doesn't have mood swings. She has reactions that Mm. um, greatly upset her. She'd start crying, bawling. Sometimes she'd just sit down on the floor and wouldn't do anything. Mm. But other than that, she's a perfectly normal human being. She would react to things that the average person would consider something not to be upset over. At first, I thought it was just me being apathetic. But now it's been about three years into a relationship. I was considering, you know, professional help. But I know some people would consider it insensitive to say that someone needs professional help. How do I approach her in a way that would be best? Well, what's the best way to approach her?
3: So, Ayman, are you saying that she's more sensitive, do you think? Does she catastrophize things, perhaps?
5: Sensitive is an understatement, (laughs) that's what I'm saying.
3: And uh, what about her childhood? Do you know of any... Her childhood
5: was pretty good.
3: Yeah.
5: Uh, That's what I have to say, but her parents are currently going through a divorce but not right, a bad
3: one right so did she have abandonment issues you think hmm,
5: she did mention something along those lines yes. yeah
3: yeah so it sounds like a emotional dysregulation syndrome um, okay. because if it's too short a period then it can't fit into a mood disorder typically people who have depression may have you know bouts of feeling irritable or feeling sad but they continue on for at least 2 weeks a minimum mm. of 2 weeks continuously but if if it's not affecting a day-to-day life and it just happens, you know, briefly may last for a day or two, then it may be more of an emotional dysregulation syndrome. And uh, with that the psychological therapies actually play a very very important role it'd be useful to maybe get her to think about seeing someone especially if it's interfering with your relationship and you know I think it'd be good for you to also accompany her and sometimes partner therapy also can be beneficial in this whole process because you'll understand how to support her and provide her you know the strengths to help her to control emotions as well.
1: And that was Dr. Philip George, psychiatrist and addiction specialist from imu on mind matters free clinic